Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's John and Joe. You're listening to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. <laughs> now, uh, now, Joe. Um, yes, John. We have a friend named Andy. <laughs> yes, and we Andy, do. Andy is really into hip hop music. And Andy uh, revealed this. He said, you're a secretly uh, a Rihanna fan. Is that true? Me? Yeah. Uh, I know Andy didn't say that, um, but I know you're a big Rihanna fan. I'm, you know, I'm not. The, the new song is really dark with Eminem, actually. And so I, I, we're, not con- we're not condoning all of this uh, hip-hop music. Some of it's, some of it's okay, <laughs> kind of fun. But the, uh, she has an album called... Uh, Shy Ronnie? Well, Shy Ronnie, okay, from Saturday Night Live. But do you also have a an album that a- Andy said? Now, Andy just told me this, that you're just a really big fan of this album, so I thought I would kind of play off that today. But it's when... I am a good, huge fan, actually. Sadly, the album is called When Good Girls Go Bad. Oh, Rihanna saying so. Okay, so that's Rihanna. But So we're going we're gonna to change that up a little bit today. Today we're going to talk about When Bad Popes Go Good. <laughs> nice. And this is a series I want to kind of do every once in a while, but we're going to start with like the baddest of them all. Right. This is bad pop. popes. This is like the worst pope because this is one of those things. You know, you're Catholic, and so you walk around, you run into these people, and they're like, "Oh, you're Catholic. The church is so corrupt." Okay, why is it corrupt? Oh, you know, all those bad popes. Okay, like which ones? Uh, and yeah, then you're exactly. like, and then you're like, um, "Well, what about the Inquisition? Okay, what about the Inquisition? What do you know about? It? Uh, right. Oh, well, what about the you know." Uh, all these different things. It's right. just kind of like you go yeah, through the, 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 the typical, like the things people like to go after. The typical litany, but nobody really knows what they're talking about. So I thought, you know, it'd be good for Catholics to know bad popes, good popes, and then especially when bad popes go good. Nice. Okay. I'm excited. This is going to be good. So let's go back to the 6th century. Now, this is one of my kind of nerdy historical uh, studies, but this is coming out of a, a great book, a great series, actually. If you want to know about, uh, read a couple volumes of church history, if you got a little free time. Um, Warren Carroll is his name. He's the founder of Christendom College in Warren Virginia. Carroll. In Virginia. I think Virginia. Front Royal. Yeah. Front Royal. Oh, man. Great, great, great writer uh, and great stuff. So we're talking today about Pope Vigilius. 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 Now, we need to go back to 538 AD. All right? 6th so, century. 6th century. What's going on in the 6th century? Here's a little background for you, historical all background. Right. The, uh, the Western Roman Empire is collapsing. But for the last 300 years the center of power has shifted from Rome to Constantinople. Constantinople. So it was a city called Byzantium. Now known as Istanbul. Now which is Istanbul, which actually I had a dream about this last night. Really? I went to Constantinople, Istanbul, whatever, in my dream. And then I got eaten by sharks. So oh. I, I don't know how to like, I don't know how they. <laughs> There's uh, tons of sharks in Constantinople. Yeah, yeah. So stay away from the sharks if you go to Constantinople. It's kind of a terrifying dream. Hopefully and, it's not um, prophetic. If there's any psychologists listening, they're probably just documenting all of this because that's a little disturbing. The uh, so um, the power has shifted to um, Constantinople. Rome is is in decline. I mean, these like waves of barbarians just keep kind of laying the smack down, and they are literally destroying. For the last three hundred years, have just been systematically destroying Rome in the West. The power is now moving, and actually, in about fifty years, is going to move north to uh, Aachen, Aachen, in, uh, which is now modern-day Western Germany. The uh, to a guy named Charlemagne, who's crowned Holy Roman Emperor. Actually, it's two hundred fifty years from now. Sorry, I think that's Christmas Day in the year eight hundred. So he's uh, so the power shift has not happened north yet. It's only in the east. So only in the east we have all the power. But the Rome in Rome, the only thing that's still there is the Pope. The Pope. The Pope is still there. 
But like I said, all the power is in, in, in the 6th century is centered and focused in Constantinople. And you have the patriarch of Constantinople, the bishop of Constantinople, who's a very powerful figure because of the, all of this political stuff. Right, makes sense. Okay, so now for the last couple hundred years since Constantine, you have had this weird interplay of em- empire or of the emperor and the pope and the emperor and the bishops, the church and then the, the empire, so to speak. And this is very different. I mean, we really need to look at the early church in terms of pre-Constantine and post-Constantine, because in, in the mm. pre-Constantine world, it's all about the church is underground, the church is persecuted, the church is being martyred, and then after that, all of a sudden, the church is legal, and it becomes actually um, it becomes the religion of, of the Roman Empire under Constantine. It becomes legalized, and then slowly it becomes more and more. But what happens there is after the third, fourth century, you have once it becomes legal, you have this massive rise of heresies because all of a sudden there's just, yeah, there's just yeah, there's a great people have incentive to There's incentive to them. twist. There's more power involved in these right. things. And then also what happens, you have the birth of monasticism. So people aren't being martyred anymore in the streets, so they're going to the desert to live out a martyred life through the evangelical councils. Kind of cool. So that's the backdrop. Sixth century. The emperor at the time is a is a great man. He's a, he's a, a really a great in the sense of just – one of the most unbelievable characters of the last thousand years. His name is Justinian. 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 Yep. He's a soldier. Um, he comes from a, a, um, kind of a, a not a work, working class, if we're using like 20th century language here. But he's, he's, a, he's a, a man who comes up just by kind of physical courage and strength. He's the son of soldiers, right? Well, he rises to power in Constantinople as the emperor. Falls in love with this wild woman. Who's the daughter like of a bear? Not Rihanna, <laughs> but but probably like Rihanna in some ways, the daughter of a bear keeper, who actually is brought up she as sounds a pro- mean. brought up bear as a prostitute, and she becomes a prostitute for much of her life, and then has a conversion, but has it as a monophysite, so she's a heretic. Oh, but then but there's something just unbelievably. This is one of the most seductive, fascinating, mysterious women in history, and her name is. I just forgot it. Theodora. There you go. Theodora. I thought uh, we were talking about Vigil. We're getting there. We're getting uh, there. Okay. I know. I got to go to class. We do this every week. The uh, um, um, So the, the center of this drama is going to be between Theodora and who will eventually be Pope Vigilius. Vigilius. So what does Theodora do? She's a heretic. Monophysite. And she wants the world to be monophysite. Now, Justinian is not a monophysite. Justinian is, is orthodox. But um, Theodora kind of starts to get involved with the political maneuverings in Rome. There's a lot of drama, there's a lot of problems, and there's antipopes, uh, an antipope or two at this time, which means that the, there's, an, there's a guy who's claiming to be pope, but he's not officially elected as pope. Now, the primary people who are responsible for electing the pope at this time is the clergy of Rome. Okay. okay. Not the cardinals. It's not the cardinals. We don't have the cardinal yet. The cardinal is just bishops in Rome who are, this is a development that will come several, gotcha. several centuries after this, but right now it's the clergy in Rome. And, and so... She starts to kind of get involved with, uh, in her earlier years, with this young deacon um, who's from a prominent royal Roman family. Because you have all these Roman families that go back to the, you know, back to the 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 glory years. And they've kind of taken control of the church in some way. So you have all these kind of problems. And then you get, uh, it gets really complicated when she starts to make deals with him. And she essentially says, if you... I will elect you pope, but you got to become a monophysite. No way, right? You got to become a heretic, which means you got to um, essentially sell out. So he. So wait, she just let me. So she wants to use her kind of like power uh, and her influences to get this guy elected pope, 
so she can change what the pope, what the church is teaching because the pope can exactly really do that. exactly and she thinks this is just a power move and that's what she thinks yeah that the church can just change it the, the church can change and frankly it's looking like it right, so yeah. the two of them this is this is where it gets really crazy and scandalous the two of them Theodora and Vigilius Vigilius is at the time he's just a, a, a priest in Rome right they plot to actually well we don't know this officially but they probably martyred the the pope before him no way. Yeah, because he was Orthodox, he was faithful, and I forget his name uh, off the top. Silvirius was his name. They exile him. He's dying of starvation. So he gets exiled, and he's dying on this island. Vigilius comes in, but he's elected as an antipope because Silva, um, Silvarius is still alive. Is still alive. This is the year 538. Right. So you have this antipope in Rome who's running the show, who has the support of the empress, and you have the real pope who's dying on this island. He's a very saintly man, actually. So the clergy of Rome, everything is getting caught up in this. And um, you have this guy, Vigilius, who is just so powerful. He's so ambitious. Um, he's kind of a he's kind of a big man and, and kind of a, a dominating personality. And, and he's starting to kind of take come to power, even though the Pope is dying in exile. I think it was on an island in the south of Italy, somewhere in there. So, so the year five thirty eight can really be seen as one of the darkest hours in the history of the Church. The Pope is dying. You have an anti Pope who has promised wow. the Empress to become a heretic. Now we've never had a pope who who has been a heretic before, and you know this is six centuries at this time. Now it's interesting; you have patriarchs all over the Eastern Church, Constantinople, and um, Antioch, and Jerusalem, and Alexandria, and every one of those patriarchal sees, which is a which has apostolic origins to it. And we can talk about this some other time. All of them fell into heresy at some point, but the only patriarchal see, patriarch of Rome, the Pope, the only one to never fall into heresy was the Pope, the Pope, Bishop of Rome. The Bishop of Rome. Wow. The Bishop of Constantinople, we oh yeah, we had all kinds of crazy stuff. Alexandria, all kinds of crazy stuff. Antioch, Jerusalem, all of them. There was always these falls and these kind of political maneuvers, but never in Rome, not one instance that we ever had a heretic. Wow. And the Holy Father in Rome had preserved by because of the the infallibility of the Pope. And they've been they've been bad popes, but there hasn't been Pope the to go away from faith and morals as far as the teaching of the church to be yeah. a heretic. Now, most of them, we've had, I mean, by this point, dozens of them have been saints. The mo- most right. of them, many of them have been martyrs. So these are, there's great men, but there's some, there's some kind of scumbags in there as well. But all of them have been faithful to the church in terms of faith and morals. The, t- the teachings of the church have never erred, and it's the, the Pope's job not to assert them or to make them, but to preserve them, right? right. The teachings come from Christ. The Holy Father's job is to preserve this and to, and to, uh, protect them, so to speak. That's his job. And so all of a sudden you have all of that looks like it's going to be compromised 530 years after uh, the birth of Christ. So all of this is, is playing out. It's all looking good. The Pope eventually dies, the real Pope, Silverius, who's in exile. He dies. And then you actually have a true election. And guess who's elected? Vigilius. Vigilius. So Vigilius becomes one of only four people, men in history, to be who was an anti-Pope who becomes no the real way. pope. Because so Vigilius is a real pope. Right. He was he was really um I mean you look at the the list of popes and this man was in five thirty eight he was elected as Pope. So even though he's anti Pope before. Trying for the sake of bringing down the church or at least changing the teaching. Exactly. Wow. This is where it gets crazy. So now he, he is the real Pope and Theodora starts to say, Okay, what about your promise? So she starts to get after him about this, right? Theodora is like the good girl gone bad. And then we have right. the, 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 the bad She's pope the bear keeper's here. bear daughter. But is he going to go good? The bear keeper's daughter. <laughs> I just love that. The, I didn't even know there were bear keepers. Well, there was bear keepers, I And they guess. have children, apparently. And they have children, yeah. Not, not good parents, though, it sounds like. So she finally starts to write him 
And this is where we have one of the most epic and the most beautiful conversions uh, in the history of the church. The night uh, that he receives this, this letter from her, he takes up the pen and he writes her back and he says, I have now taken on the office of the vicar of Christ um, and, I, and I am unable to fulfill the promises that I made for you out of ambition, out of power. Right? And he says, um, I, I now must stay true to this office. Wow. And something greater than me is at risk. Um, with this, and he just totally burns crazy. her. Totally burns her. So you have this unbelievable—I mean, overnight conversion—as soon as he's elected pope, the grace of the office comes, and it just completely transforms that his heart. Crazy. Now, this is a man who, for fifty years, has done nothing but been an ambitious politician, and overnight he has this unbelievable conversion and becomes a, 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 a man of heroic vir- virtue. That is wild, man. amazing. So, guess what happens though? Theodora freaks. Theodora must be. She freaks. She's releasing the bears, man. She, the, bear, the bears are coming with the bear keepers. Oh, she get, so she automatically sends an army to Rome, and they take him, and they, and they bring him into exile. Right? And they, see, they drag him back to Constantinople, and he gets beat. He gets um, – um, he's on the point of being martyred right away, but then they end up imprisoning him. And for 17 years, he's imprisoned. And this is what's beautiful. He says – this is a quote from Vigilius. He says, do with me what you wish. This is the just punishment for what I have done. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That is awesome. 17 years um, he suffers under Theodora and Justinian. Um, but the beautiful thing was when they came to get him in exile, I just this is like the image I always think of Vigilius. You think of this total scumbag, this total loser who gets elected pope. But the, when they come to get him, when the army comes from Constantinople, this is what, this is what we know from history. It was November 22nd. The year 545, uh, and Pope Vigilius was arrested while saying Mass in the Church of St. Cecilia on her feast day over her incorrupt body. The last Pope to be arrested saying Mass there in that place had been Pope Sixtus II during the persecution of Valerian in the 3rd century. Wow. That was the last Pope to be arrested saying Mass. I mean, he's in the middle of the Mass, and this man who's had a total conversion, the Pope now, um, and uh, he gets taken and dragged, and he spends his whole life uh, after this suffering, and then eventually is dies in prison. So wow, it's it's just an amazing, amazing, amazing so story. So he's a martyr, That's but it's kind of weird. Um, yeah, is he? He's not canonized. He's not canonized, right. but he is a he died a holy man. Right. Um, his whole life, I mean, he never he never wavered, never for one second. Um, and it's just one of the most beautiful, exciting uh, moments where you see uh, the dark the darkest hour of the church. You see God's grace active and all of a sudden just explode in the life of this man uh, who has an unbelievable conversion. And he keeps the faith. And the faith is, is preserved. And literally 538, we need to mark that as one of the most dangerous, horrific, darkest hours in the history of the church. I mean, everything looked like it was all going to fall apart there. It was so much corruption, so much damage done, um, so much so much power play at work with the papacy. Yet God's grace preserves the church. It's wild because Beautiful. you think about that even today, like when, you know, it's so easy to get discouraged about the church or, I mean, at different times, you know, with scandals or whatever. But no matter what, I mean, this is, I mean, we're, this is nothing like we just have, we have, we have bad clergy or scandalous or whatever, but they had like a Pope who is scandalous. Oh, yeah. But, but God preserves his church because it's not our church. It's his church, you know, and it's, it's just really wild to think it, that, like we, when, that when things get super bad to trust that. He's in control, you know. Yeah, the, the the scandals of the last ten year that came out in the last ten years have been terrible, but they're nothing like a really horrific pope. I mean, we've had great popes for the last hundred years, just great men, heroic men, uh, saints. But uh, we've never we've never experienced anything like this, where the head of the church 
is a total loser like Vigilius was. It's great. That's crazy. It's crazy. So uh, thanks be to God for his grace that protects the popes. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com on Facebook. Catholic Stuff Podcast. Never on Twitter. We'll see you next week, hopefully. It's becoming a mantra. Hopefully. See you.